0: Instead of majoring on oh it's great to be rich let's get rich let's get rich let's get rich let's get, rich. Let's get more money let's get... and the Lord's saying wait yeah I'm a, I can let you get rich yes you can enjoy it yes it can be a blessing in your life but I'm gonna tell you something there's some things that come with it that you got to be careful for there's things that come with you got to be careful for but here's what uh, Paul also said he says but those and this is verse nine of the First thing, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and the snare and to many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That's what Paul was saying. Paul was warning them. Listen, riches can lead you down to destruction, Christian person. Riches can lead you to destruction. It can ruin your life. It can destroy your life. There's destruction in riches. Just really what the Bible's saying. And it's because of this spirit that comes with riches. The spirit of Mammon that operates with riches that operates strongly in this nation that we I believe we're all influenced by this spirit some more than others we really are influenced greatly our nation is greatly influenced by riches and and, uh, we really need to understand so I've got I gave three blessings of riches I'm gonna give you three. Three downside of riches, what it will do to you. And honestly, I see this as being stuff that's affecting us. Okay, you may not feel like you're rich, but it, this is affecting you. And it really is how the spirit of mammon is affecting us. Okay, are y'all with me? Is this interesting to you? Yeah. Good. Somebody said no? <laughs> um, first of all, back over in 17, just. Uh, I want to read that. It says, Command those who are rich in this presentation not to be haughty, not to be haughty. That's a that's a downfall of riches, is haughtiness, pride. Like, well I'm something because I got a lot of money. That doesn't make you anything. Nor to trust in what? Uncertain riches. They're not certain. Here today, gone tomorrow. Okay? In other words, here's what let me just say this riches create an illusion of fullness. Riches create an illusion of fullness. And you tell me this nation hadn't been under an illusion of fullness. You ever been around? Let me just read this parable. Matthew 19. Turn over there. I'm just going to read you things Jesus said. And I hope this convicts you to no end. Lord, I ask you to convict the fire of people in this room about what you said. This is what Jesus said, okay, about riches. I hope the Lord gets all over you about your finances this morning. Because I think He wants to. I hope he won't. I think He wants to prick your heart about your finances. Because God wants to give you an escape, get you out of this world system. Not that you won't function. I mean, of course you're going to function. But He wants to free you like a bird trapped from financial bondage and from being ruled by this nasty old spirit. But for uh, Matthew 19, verse 16 um, through 24, everybody knows this. This is a... The parable about the rich young ruler. Let me read it to you. This is real interesting. Now, behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into, into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? That's that's an important question right there. And Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you, it is hard... Listen to this. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's hard. That's what Jesus was saying. It's hard. Everybody say, it's hard. it's hard. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He re-emphasized that. It's hard. It's difficult for a rich man. And this is why. is because a rich person has an illusion of fullness on them. You know, in America, we have an illusion. We've had this illusion that we're safe. We've had this illusion that we can't be touched. And it's just an illusion. We found out right quick. Now everybody's worried about, you know, biological warfare. We don't have that illusion right now as far as our security is. But we've had an illusion about finance. That's what that spirit does. It puts this illusion on you. And that's why Jesus said it's hard for a rich man because, you know what, rich men... Listen, let me ask you a question. When was the closest time you was ever... Closer to the Lord. and times when you were closest to the Lord. The times He seemed so near to you and so dear to you and you felt close to Him. And His presence was wonderful. Wasn't it a time when you felt needy? Wasn't it a time when you felt like a failure? Is that true? I mean, those are the times when you get close to God. There have been numerous men that for some reason that will come into this church... Just crying their hearts out. Not members of the church, but people come to them, crying their hearts out. Their wife have left them. And suddenly they're got really interested in the Lord. Because suddenly they have this failure in their life. They have this need in their life, and God has become an interest in them. And Jesus was saying, Rich people don't feel needy. They feel complacent. They feel full. They don't feel like they need God. And that's what that Spirit does to you. It makes you feel like you don't need Him. I've got a job. I don't have to worry about my money. Lord, I need more money. You see what I'm saying? That's why he was saying it was hard for rich people. Because rich people feel, they have this illusion, they're full, their life's full, they don't have needs. Well, if I get sick, i got enough money to buy the best doctors. You hear? We need to feel needy. We need to feel like failures, because we are. And God uses the worst time in my life, as as far as being a failure, was a time I was closest to the Lord. It's a time when God spoke my life to me, when God really de- declared His purposes to me in a clear way. It was a time when I was an absolute failure, and when I felt like I need you, God. If you don't come through, we're not even going to have, you know, supper next Monday. It's how bad it was, and God had my attention. So if you are rich, there is an illusion that comes with it. And I will say to you, we are affected by that illusion. American Christians are affected by this illusion of fullness. Listen to this verse from Proverbs. Proverbs eighteen twenty three. It says, The poor man uses entreaties. Poor, I love this. Put this down in your life. This is Proverbs 18:23 because it will keep your heart out of so much trouble if you can live it. The poor man offers entreaties, but the rich answers roughly. Have you ever been somewhere that everything is going good for these people and I've been in churches that are that the Lord was blessed and they were prosperous and they will treat you like dirt. They will treat you like dirt. You got some problems, right? They give you a hard answer. Get over it, get going. you know. You know? I've seen that and said, Lord, please don't ever let me do that. And then I find myself doing that kind of stupid stuff. You ever been around somebody that they're awful to be around when they're real blessed? You ever been around people like that? Anybody? I have. I can't stand it. You know, it's because a rich man answers roughly, but a poor man answers offers entreaty. The poor is in touch with his material needs. The poor in touch with his sense of failure. He's a lot more open to God. A whole lot more open. That's why Jesus said, Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. He didn't say that about the rich. Blessed are the rich. He didn't say, well, you, well, Be careful, you rich, because you feel full and you feel complacent. American, America on a whole, okay, I'm talking about our nation on a whole, we feel full and we've, we've gotten complacent. And it took some dramatic action to wake us up to realize well, wait a minute. You mean our economy is so fragile? That their, I mean, I don't know what their latest estimates was. Last week, it was a half a million people, they think, have lost their jobs since September 11th. You know? Our, our world is that fragile. You know? See, we need, that's what I'm saying. We need to wake up and realize we're being influenced by a spirit from hell that keeps us on a track financially. And the ultimate end of that is you can't buy, you can't sell, you can't trade. That is the ultimate end of that, unless you take this thing from the devil. That's where he wants to lead you. And right now, what he wants to do is control you. You see, the devil can control you through your money if you are living from the world system. He has a lot of control over you because this spirit of man is operating through money. It's basically, you know, for the world. Not Okay, second one. Are you all with me? Turn over to Luke 12. See, these are the kind of things we need to understand about so we can have a right view, a right attitude, and handle the money right and see it. You know, hey, this dollar bill is my slave. I'm not its slave. Are you with me? Luke 12. Let's read another one. Another thing Jesus said. Jesus said some tremendous things, didn't He? He really did. If we would just do what He said, we would be, everything would be wonderful. I mean, it might be difficult, but I mean... It, our lives would be different if we really did what the Bible said to do. It really would be different. Your life would change. My life would change if we really did what this Bible says. And that's really what we've got to start doing. And we've got to start now with our finances. We don't start the day the economy's gone and they're saying, all right, this is this thing we're going to do. We're going to put a mark on you. That is not the day. Oh, man, wait a minute. What did that thing say, in Scriptures? Don't do it that day. Do it today. Start today. Make a commitment in your heart today towards the Lord. Lord, you're going to teach me. I may be immaturity. I may be stupid. In it, I may not do it right, but I am committed in my heart to obeying the word of God over finances. You got to start somewhere. And where you start at is you find out what it says and that's where you go from. It says, you know, it creates an illusion. I want to get rid of that illusion. I want to feel needy. And God has some built-in things about finance, which we'll talk about later, Lord willing, about how to make you feel needy. He designed some things to make you feel needy. And nobody really likes that, but that's good, because He did it. Well, anyways, Luke 12, here's number two. This is a biggie. This is a real biggie. Riches can cause you to miss your purpose in life. Riches can cause you to miss your purpose in life. Luke twelve, verse thirteen. Everybody knows this. this is the parable of the rich what? Fool. Then one from the crowd, verse thirteen, said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, <laughs> who made not so the way the Lord does things. Man, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? I, I think that's just a Classic way of responding to somebody. And he said to them, okay, to the crowd. You know, and he, was, he was speaking to the man, and then it switched back to the crowd. He addressed that man personally, then he went and switched back to the crowd. Those are things you need to pay attention in the Bible because they are significant. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful." The ground of a certain rich man. He was being blessed. You know, he's, you know, and he thought with him, within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? It's in the Bible. See, some people say that. I'm trying to get y'all to relax, <laughs> but God said to him, "Fool!" Now listen, that is a word that God doesn't like. He doesn't like that word, but He uses that word. So you got to know if God's using a word He don't really like, He's told us don't be using that word. He's using it. We better listen to why He's saying it. "Fool!" This night your soul will be quiet. Of you. Then whose will those things be which you? Have provided. So is so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The word fool is reserved for the person who would allow riches to distract his life from the reason God placed him on this earth. That's where Jesus will use that word. That's why that's the word that Jesus would say to that man, that woman, that person. You're a fool. And he's saying that, and he's saying a strong word because he wants to tell you something. You're throwing away something for nothing. And that's why I was saying, you know, God has a purpose for the United States of America. There is a purpose for every nation on this earth, I believe. And we as a nation, if we have allowed riches to pull us away from the purposes of this nation, then this nation is a nation of fools. You hear what I'm saying to you? And if you as an individual, if money is more important to you and possessions are more important to you and you're on that treadmill of life, get more, get better, get bigger, get this, get that, then you are positioning yourself to miss the very purpose of God that He has for your life. The reason you're born, the reason you're alive today. You hear what I'm saying to you? Riches can do that to you. That's a strong warning from the Lord. So I want to pass that warning along to you this morning because Jesus warned us against that. Do not let riches distract you from your purpose. Do not let riches get you on another path away from what God has for you. Because you will be very sorry in the end. You will, you know, you'll be a old messed up guy, you know, at the end. See, here's the thing about that stupid treadmill of wanting more, bigger barns, bigger... It's, it, it's never enough. You can never get off of it if you stay in that mode. You can't get off wanting more. This is the honest truth. I love shoes. i got a claw, I got so many shoes, Becky throws my shoes away. She threw a pair of my shoes away the other day. So I'm throwing these away. Why are you throwing them away? Because you've got about five pairs of this same kind of shoe. You know? And see, I'm thinking, I need some more shoes. And she's throwing away my shoes. That's a little thing, but I love shoes. You know, so I keep my shoes. And I know how to get some new ones, though. I've learned this. I got these shoes. I'll give them away, and then I won't have any so I can get some more. <laughs> I learned that, racist. I've been giving shoes away. There's certain ones I didn't want to give away, and she threw them away. <laughs> Anyways. You see what I'm saying? that's a small thing, but that can be in our life. You know, people want bigger houses, bigger, better this, bigger, better this, bigger, better this. And it's like you spend your life doing that, but what do you have at the end? Because what happens? All that stuff decays. All that stuff breaks. All that stuff, it gets out of style. You know what I'm saying? So it's a never-ending thing. And the only way to get off the treadmill is realize this thing is not good for me. I'm getting off. I'm not going to go to the shoe store every time I drive by one. You know, I, this is the truth. I mean, I'm confessing the weakness. I actually like to go to the shoe store just to look. Sometimes when my day is off, I think, I plan my day, I'm going to go to the shoe store today. I've been to every shoe store in Mooresville and spent hours in there. Really? I mean, what is wrong with me? Because, you know what I'm saying? Well, I got Becky on to keep me under control of that. But we really had, I can't let shoes distract me from... God's purpose for my life. But if I let something like that, if that was a, if, you know, that thing could get big, it could be big stuff instead of, you know, shoes. And I think a lot of people in America, a lot, I think a lot of people in this room, I'm going to be honest with you, I think a lot of you, you've allowed those things to distract you from your purpose. You know, you've allowed the world system to distract you. You're caught in a treadmill of something, working and trying to do better and make more and have this and have that. And it's not going to work out for you. They could close the company down. You know, you could go out of business. You could lose it all. You hear me? It can distract you. Make your purpose, make God your number one thing in your life. Not that. And God has promised us, there's certain promises that He will take care of certain things in our life. There's promises in the Bible that we can stand on and live on. But don't make your career your number one thing. That, you, Jesus would say to you, if your career is leading you away from His purpose, then you are making a very foolish mistake. Now I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth this morning. Hear me if that's what you're doing. Hear me and repent. Hear me and cry out to God and say, I'm in a mess here, God. Because I've done this. I've done this and I'm in the wrong. I'm in error. Please deliver me from this mess I've gotten myself into. Ask him to help you. He'll help you. He's not, you know, he's not gonna be mad about it. You know, he could be mad about lots of things, but he's not mad about that. Number three. Let's read this one. This is powerful. And let's just turn over to Luke 16. And this will be the last one. And then we'll be ending. Number three. Riches can dull you. the needs of those around you. Riches can dull you to the needs of those around you. Luke 16 verse 19. This is another wonderful thing that the Lord Himself said. The rich man and Lazarus. Remember that? I mean, these are old stories in the Bible. We've read them. We've thought about them for years. We just never thought about the money part of them. The richest part of it. I hadn't really until I really got into this and really started looking at it and thought, man, you really do have some things to say. It says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate. Notice one thing that catches your eye if you really think about it. That rich man was nameless. I mean, and the Bible didn't even take the moment to put that guy's name in there. Now, that's telling you something because, you know, this is eternal here. But old Lazarus... He got his name in the Bible, poor guy laying out there, dogs licking on him. Poor as Joe's turkey. I mean, just can't even make you know make it. You know, old dogs licking him. Coming up and licking him. He's in the Bible. When we get to heaven, they'll be going, hey, that's the Lazarus that was laid out there, dogs licking on him. Look how great he is, how glorious he is. Old rich guy, he ain't even gonna be there. Who cares who he is? I mean, basically what the Bible's saying, big deal he was rich. You know, because he was rich, didn't impress God. You know, that's really what it's saying. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. So somebody every day, carried old sore, you know, guy, old, you know, bugs and stuff. He was laid at this rich man's gate, desiring to be fed, just with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's to- table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Then it goes on, the beggar died, you know, Lazarus died, the rich man died, the rich man just flat went to hell. You know, that's where he went. Lazarus wound up going to heaven and with the Lord. That's where he's at right now, this morning. In fact, if Lazarus was sitting here this morning, he'd be cheering what I'm saying on. Saying, yeah, he's right. I know, I'll sit down and watch some old rich people. But here's the thing about rich people, okay? You get rich, you get a lot, it really doesn't make you insensitive to other people. The tightest people in the world are rich people. The most generous people that I have ever met by far, and now there's, some, there's acceptance to all this, okay? Because I know some rich people that are very generous, okay? But I know some poor people that will give you the shirt off their back. They will give you their last dime. They will give you their last meal. Because it doesn't mean anything to them. Because they know they're in a mess. But I know so many people who've got stuff that your heart is callous, you are you have gotten callous to the people around you that really are in real need. they are in real need. And you have turned your head the other way because oh, I can't do this, I can't give this, I can't, you know, I just can't do it because if I do that, I'm not going to have enough to pay for this, I'm not going to have to pay for that. And and you know what? That is really wrong in the Lord's eyes. Because here's this guy living sumptuously. This guy, all he wanted was crumbs. Just throw me the scraps. That's all I want. I'm not even asking for your T-bone. You don't have to give him your T-bone. Just give him something to help the feller. And I wonder how many times we as Americans, influenced by the spirit of mammon, have walked right by people who are suffering. I wonder how many people in this room this morning are suffering. I'm talking about genuine suffering. I'm not talking about you suffering because you just was done some bad things with your money. I'm talking about people sitting in this room that are really suffering. I've been in a church one time when there was a guy in that church did not have any food to eat in his house, and nobody in that church knew it. Now, that's a shame. You know what that said? We're all influenced by the spirit of mammon. We're off doing our thing, going out and trying to make our money, going out trying to be better and getting more, and here's this poor guy who was blind, and he was blind, and he was on a dialysis machine, and he didn't have no food in his house, and he had kids, three or four kids Laid up there with him trying to feed these kids and and people didn't even know. And somebody went in their house by accident and found, What are y'all eating? Grits. How long y'all been eating it? For days. That's all we've ate was grits. Poor guy. And see? And see what it'll do to you? It'll callous you. It'll it'll cause you to miss things. And those things are really important to God. God doesn't like that. You know, and I say, Lord. You know, don't let us do that. Don't let us get where we're going to work. We've got our worship tape on. We're or our favorite teaching tape on. We're driving down the road. Just, we got to get going, you know. And and there's somebody that is in great need, great dire need right there at us, and we don't even see them because we're just, you know. You hear what I'm saying to you? We should feel convicted about that. We should feel real convicted about it. All right, here's three things. Let me just read them to you. Because you live, and I live, in a rich nation, we are influenced by the spirit of man. Okay? Let me just say this. There is a false sense of fullness and a complacency that operates on us as Christians. There is. We have that. We're not desperate enough. We don't feel fair. We don't have that sense of need in our life. I guarantee that's a guy in this room who was telling me yesterday he lost his job. I guarantee you he's going to have some need in his life. I guarantee he ain't going to be complacent about it. He's going to be getting the of the Lord. Well, Lord bless you. I hope you get a job, you know, while we go off to our jobs and forget about the guy. I mean, you know. So we are influenced by that sense of fullness and false sense of fullness and false sense of complacency. You are influenced by that. I am influenced by that. Some in this room are more influenced than others. Number two, because you live in America, you are swept up, many are swept up in pursuing the wrong things for their lives and thus miss their true purpose for being here. Okay? There's some of you in this room, you're swept up into the American ideal and you're being swept along in something and you're missing your purpose that God's placed you on because you're consumed by the riches, by getting more, having more, you know... And number three, because we live in America, our senses are dulled to the needs of others. Our senses are dulled to the needs of others. Now, I think the Lord wants to address those things this morning. And this wasn't just a message just to give you some information. I want to address these things. I want to go after them. That's the way I feel about it. You know. So I want to ask you a question. This is, if you feel like any three of those are yours... If that's you, I'm a big I'm a big believer in altar calls because I believe there's a sense of contact that we need to make in people's lives to sort of like close the deal. You hear know what I'm saying to you? I like to close the deal. If you've got that in your life this morning, God wants to help you. You hear what I'm saying to you? God wants to help you. But just to sit here and hear a mess about, yeah, I agree with that. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, let me get in the car and go home and keep doing what you've been doing. That ain't what we're talking about doing. We don't want to be like men who hear the word and wake, go away and forget, like what the scripture says. You look it in the mirror and then you walk away. What did I look like? I'm not as pretty as I thought I was. I look in the mirror like, God, I'm looking bad these days, Lord. You know I look that bad. I mean hardly carry a comb anymore because I don't have to comb my hair as much. Because you don't have no hair so you don't have to comb it. (laughs) So, I want to ask you this morning, if you feel like you're one of those people, don't be embarrassed. Have truth with God. I want you to come forward for prayer. And I want ministry team people to come up here and pray with these people that are going to come up. Come on, right now. You feel like you're being influenced by this old spirit of mammon. In mean, any, any one of those three areas. You come on up first and I'm going to give another altar call about financials, finances. Anybody else? Some of you are lying sitting there. You're lying. You're hard-headed. You're difficult. You're, you're not obeying the Lord right now. You. There's some of you. I know some of you the way you live. I know, I know some of you the way you think. Some of you really are touched by this stuff in a bigger way than you think. So I want to ask you to come up because the Lord is really interested in helping you. He's not really interested in embarrassing you and humiliating you. He's interested in your well-being. So anybody else want to come to this altar call? Any of those three areas? If you feel like you have gotten dull to the senses of others, you need to come up here. Okay? If you feel like there's people around you in and you just don't want to hear about it and you don't want to try to help them, you need to come. If you feel like that you you're just so wrapped up in your job and your career, that's the most important thing in your life, and you spend you're consumed by that, and you, then you need to come up here because you're going to miss your purpose. You need to be consumed by the Lord, by your relationship with Him. So, anybody who wants to come, just give me a chance now. I want people who are having financial problems who feel like they need the Lord to heal their finances to also come up. So anybody in here who's got financial problems who feel like, Lord, we need you to heal our finances. Heal, heal, heal my finances, God. I may not fit into any one of those categories, but I need some healing. I need some help. You know, you may be spending more money than you're making and, you know, all those kind of things. You may be in so much debt that You know, it would take an absolute miracle to get you out. You know, the Lord can do miracles. He can change your life. You know, if you feel like you need God to help you, if you feel like you need a better job or whatever, I mean, I don't know what the answer is on a lot of this, but the answer is the Lord. See, the Lord can take whatever your little bit is and make it into a lot. You hear what I'm saying? Your answer may not be to get more money. In fact, a lot of people, that's not the answer. The answer is the Lord Himself touching your finances and healing your finances. Because I believe we're still operating under a window of mercy with the Lord about our money. I believe He still wants to show mercy on people and help us through it. So can we get some ministry people to come up here now and and lay hands and and pray with these people? Pray with the ones who need healing. You need to tell them why you're up here. And just really ask the Lord to help them. Pray God's blessing on finances, and those people who are confessing that they would repent,